0: RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all. Ever. Okay, start the thing.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Daniel, your doctor host.
0: And I'm Abby, your nurse host. And today we're going to talk about something called...
1: Urinary tract infections.
0: Ooh, ouch.
1: Ouch, indeed, (laughs) of course. I like your shirt. You bought a new shirt from this place. I have a new
0: outfit. I'm feeling very snazzy today. I look like a British person from the 40s, right? I don't know how British
1: people in the 40s looked. Like me. We have to Google that, British people in the 40s. I have a
0: brown, sort of stretchy... Mock turtleneck with like plaid brown like tweed pants. Shorts. She's wearing
1: a turtleneck in July.
0: Well, it's short sleeve.
1: It is short sleeve. Also, everything was brown in.
0: They didn't England have in the nineteen col- forties. Yeah, they didn't have colors. Back <laughs> they didn't then. see the colors. war.
1: The war. Yeah. yeah, black and white videos.
0: They were rationing colors back then. They were. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's historically accurate.
1: It's not. I was a history major, actually.
0: That's true. I forget that about you. She didn't you. forget that
1: about me. She knows about it.
0: <laughs> no, I forget sometimes. Yeah. Wait, okay. So that t- means
1: I know everything about history.
0: Tell me something I didn't know about history.
1: That's the problem. You tell somebody you major in something and they're like, oh... Oh, let me ask them about this.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, okay.
0: That's the same with medical things though, too. I mean, with nursing, people will be like, oh, you're a nurse. I've had, literally, I've had friends, my friend's mom pulled out some random pills from her purse. It's the red pill.
1: Yeah. It's always colors. Yeah.
0: It's the big white one. It's the big white one.
1: I'm like, how would I know? She's
0: (laughs) asking me like, what's this? What's this? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, aren't you a nurse? And I'm like- well, yeah, but I don't, this isn't a skill that's required in nursing. It's not. Or even
1: <laughs> doctors. Yeah. There's so many generic medications. Of course. Different, there is a cool app though, uh. that you can find out any medication based on how it looks. Well, you awesome. know,
0: you can Google the, the little stamp that's on them. It'll be like M25. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can Google that and a lot of For times sure. it'll come up.
1: I went to my friend's uh, medicine cabinet and I couldn't figure out what pill he had.
0: Why were you looking?
1: I'm a snoop. (gasps) Yeah. Turns out he was taking like antipsychotics. No, No, this is
0: made up. This is all made up. (laughs) I thought you were being serious. They did
1: have an antibiotic that treats UTIs and we're going to get into which antibiotics they were. Good
0: segue, baby. You like that? I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. All right. Let's
0: talk about it. So Dr. Dan, can we, I want to hear like the medical side of it and then I'll give you my point of view. All
1: right. UTIs, huge topic. I'm an internal medicine resident, so we see this a lot. Um, they come in all different shapes and sizes and presentations. And it's a very simple um, condition with very complex um, you know, connotations and treatments and management. Um, over time, the more you treat it, the better you get at it, just like anything. And um, I'm going to go a little bit into what UTIs are. Um, urinary tract infections is, is exactly what the Term. It's well, raining a lot right now. By the way, I don't Ooh, know. It's coming out of nowhere. It's
0: pouring. Wow. It's pouring a lot. Wow.
1: So, um, urinary tract infections are essentially infections of the urinary tract. <laughs> uh-huh. Everybody. <laughs> uh-huh. And what is the urinary tract? Uh-huh. That's that's a different thing. It's um, pretty much. this urinary tract is categorized to two different levels. You have your um, upper urinary tract which is your kidneys, um, and is your, your which connect your kidneys to your bladder and you have your, uh, lower urinary tract, which is basically your bladder, um, and your prostate and urethra, which basically, um, is the tip of your female or male, uh, genitals, mm-hmm. whatever you got under there. I don't know. <laughs>
0: you got a little awkward there. I got a little awkward <laughs> yeah. there. Also, wait, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, ureters or ureters? Oh, come on. Ah, because I
1: I, I say ureters. I
0: say ureters.
1: Ureters is, I don't know.
0: Maybe it's a Midwest thing.
1: That's a Midwest thing, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, you also pronounce like things weird.
0: Yeah, I do. Just in general, I pronounce things weird too. But yeah, we were taught uh, ureters.
1: Yeah, I I guess they're both right. Yeah. Right? Okay. (laughs) So you can get infections all along this urinary tract. Um, And it it can be categorized as urinary tract infection, essentially. The most common urinary tract infections we see when people say, oh, I got a UTI. That's pretty much basically your bread and butter bladder infection. Mm -hmm. Uh, A technical term for that is cystitis. That's what we call a bladder infection. And um, infections of the kidney are called pyelonephritis. That's what they call it. And basically, based on where you get your urinary tract infections, um, the treatment is much different, and they present differently, and you have to kind of keep in mind what you're dealing with, basically.
0: Is it usually the same bacteria? You always hear E. coli. Is it usually the same bacteria, or is it different?
1: Uh, what do you mean for kidney or, yeah, mm-hmm. it depends. Actually the most common is E. coli in general. Okay. Um, because oftentimes when you get a kidney infection, it travels from the sure. lower urinary tract to the kidney. Mm-hmm. So it's E. coli is still the most common, but you get a lot of other bacteria that can cause urinary tract infections. You know, you have your Klebsiella, uh, Proteus, Citrobacter, Serratia, Enterococcus, uh, in rare cases, you can have pseudomonal infections. Um, staphylococcus is not a common one, but you can have a special one called sap- staph saprophyticus okay. is like a one you always hear about. It's like a rare sap.
0: Have you ever seen it?
1: I've seen it maybe once. Yeah. And it's always on like a young female. Okay. But those are like the only people that get those.
0: So, what about, um, okay, obviously E. coli is, is very kind of cut and dry. That's the one we see a lot, and you're told, you know, to educate the patient to wipe a certain way and have good hygiene, et cetera. Um, but what about these other ones? I mean, how are they, how do they get to the urinary? That's a good track? question.
1: So, urinary tract infections generally are more common in females actually mm-hmm. and a big reason for that is the length of their um urethra mm-hmm. that is how you pronounce it um is is shorter right. than males right. uh, which makes them more susceptible to infections and also their proximity to their um other parts of their bodies mm-hmm. south of there.
0: You're getting <laughs> awkward again
1: getting awkward again hey this is an awkward topic what are you gonna say <laughs> So basically, coliform bacteria, which comes from the anus, um, can uh, cause infections mm-hmm. that go up the uh, urethra and into the urinary tract. This is a common way of getting bladder infections. Uh, people who are uh, sexually active are more at risk, um, especially if they use on un- protect, they don't use protection, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't use safe practices, or many different reasons. Also, people who have anatomic differences or they have, um, you know, mechanical differences, mm-hmm. like they have devices, mm-hmm. previous surgeries. Those are actually a different category of urinary tracts called complicated mm-hmm. urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other topic. We can't get into that in detail.
0: Can you? Can you briefly? Yeah.
1: So basically when people talk about urinary tract infections, like in everyday terms, they're talking about what's called uncomplicated mm-hmm. urinary tract infections. This is your bladder infections that usually treat short course and you basically resolve. But in the other side of the coin, you have what's called complicated urinary tract infections, which is in patients who require longer duration of treatment and oftentimes um, higher doses of certain medications and the spectrum of uh, bacteria that can infect you is broader and mm-hmm. um, And basically, uh, the medications, it's also in patients who have like, um, complex urological differences compared to just an average person.
0: Give me just a couple examples.
1: So patients who had previous bladder cancer, for example, they have like a nephrostomy tube, uh, patients who have a suprapubic catheter, um, Any of these people, if they have a urinary tract infection, would be considered complicated UTIs. You can also say patients who are men, some consider just a man having a UTI is considered a complicated urinary tract infection, but the definition is changing. That's why I didn't mention it yet. Okay.
0: Um,
1: So it's complicated. So it's
0: not technically considered a complicated yet for a male, but they're considering changing it?
1: The the terminology for what a complicated urinary tract infection is very um, debatable. Okay. And it's always under debate. There are certain uh, urinary tract infections that nobody debates are complicated. Like in patients who have urology pathologies, Mm -hmm. everyone agrees those are complicated UTIs. Um, It being in a male, is that complicated? It's changing. Why? because we're seeing that males being treated with short course antibiotics, like females have been treated, has been working. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to categorize simple bladder infections in males as also uncomplicated.
0: So, okay, just real quick for the nursing uh, side of it, because this is, we learn about a lot of these types of bladder infections and and um, the things that we're gonna do, nursing interventions, which I'm gonna talk about. But uh, just to be really clear, th- so not only is the definition different for complicated versus uncomplicated, then the treatment is also different is what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to have like different antibiotics for a longer course for a complicated.
1: Yeah. And also oftentimes I need IV antibiotics. And the most important thing to distinguish in terms of complicated and uncomplicated is systemic signs. Mm -hmm. So an an uncomplicated UTI is more like 30-year-old female comes in, dysuria, pain on urination, urgency of of urination, increased frequency of urination. They might have some suprapubic tenderness. Um, And these patients can be treated with oral antibiotics, Mm -hmm. a short course, three to five days, and oftentimes it, it resolves.
0: Why are you looking at me while you're talking? I'm not <laughs> looking at you. I
1: was looking outside. I got a beautiful view out here. You brought that up. I did I not feel say anything. a little
0: targeted right now. No, okay. All right. I Sorry. didn't
1: mention that. No. <laughs> did you want to say something?
0: No. I just think if anybody out there, I think most people, even male, female, I think most people have had a UTI. And and I understand this is kind of a basic topic. We are going to, as this uh, podcast gets larger, we're going to uh, talk about more complicated. But I, I thought... Dan and I agreed this was a good topic to start on because uh, most people have experienced a so UTI. And it's, um, it, it hurts a lot. It's very, very painful.
1: Yes. Um, however, if you have a patient with systemic signs, what does that mean? That means it has bred mm-hmm. and caused systemic signs, infection, uh, causing fever, um, com- feeling ill, total uh, body kind of ill feeling, They can have altered mental status, they can have chills, rigors, um, and of course, importantly, they can have costovertebral angle tenderness, which is basically flank tenderness where your kidneys are. You can have tenderness and pain there, Mm -hmm. um, which is a sign that the infection could have possibly traveled to their kidneys. Um, and this automatically would be considered a complicated UTI. And, and an infection like that would not be treated the same as you know, bread and butter.
0: Would you treat a kidney infection outpatient? You could. You could.
1: So that's another thing. So then you have, then you have uh, complicated UTIs are into their own categories. Um, if you have a patient that you've diagnosed with a pyelonephritis, which is a kidney infection... You can have, now you can have uncomplicated pyelonephritis and complicated pyelonephritis. Uncomplicated is the type that you can generally treat outpatient, long cor- longer course oral antibiotics, about like 10 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. But if they're having fever... Uh, they're, they're septic mm-hmm. they have systemic signs mm-hmm. they should probably be admitted to the hospital and treated with IV antibiotics miserable yeah. that sounds miserable yeah it sounds pretty bad
0: yeah really
1: luckily the, the prognosis for most of these people is pretty good yeah
0: but fortunately it, but it's really it's really terrible I mean I see the patients when they're going through it they really look miserable it's very painful very
1: painful absolutely yeah it can in older patients UTIs can have a dramatic effect compared to a younger person mm-hmm. the inflammatory metabolic changes that come with a UTI in an older person can produce significant altered mental status and confusion, gait abnormalities um, that you would not see in a younger person. And this is an important thing to keep in mind when an older patient presents to you with altered mental status, is understanding maybe this patient has an infection, possibly a UTI. And this is one of the examples of where is it borderline. Is this complicated or uncomplicated? Some consider it un uncomplicated because you can treat them with a short course of antibiotics but others say this is a complicated infection because they have altered mental status systemic signs so that's a disputed uh, distinction
0: and it can go um very quickly for those patients those older patients they can go from they just have some symptoms they have some urgency and then i've seen them within 24 hours now they have altered mental status you know it's faster for them absolutely yeah right yeah, so it's scary to it's me scary. when I see that. The I don't know if this is something you're aware of. I mean, I'm dating myself a little bit. I've been in nursing for a, a minute now. Um and how when many, I, How many minutes? 12 years. Minutes. <laughs>
1: how many minutes is 12 years? I don't know. I was trying to <laughs> think of something
0: clever and I couldn't.
1: Let Lucy? <laughs> could you check for us? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Lucy does research in the but Lucy is yeah. a beautiful dog by the way. She's beautiful. Um so When I first was studying nursing and first became a nurse, we did UAs on everybody. We did UA and culture on everybody. It was like, and it was the first thing that you thought of. If there was any change in the patient, especially if they were above 60, we would just automatically send a UA. And, um, and it was the same with, like, C. diff, you know, those kinds of things. Now that's why you see we have these really complicated algorithms for who actually you can send some of these to the lab or not because there was an overuse to some degree, too, because it was just so easy for us, like, oh, get a urine, you know, if there's any change at all in the patient. And then sometimes really important things were missed because everyone just assumed it was UTI. For sure. So... Um, They've changed some of that now, which I think is for the better. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention too, really quickly, that we're sitting recording this and I made all of these notes and I have this really clear, like little bullet points. Dan is literally just sitting here, just rattling off all of this information.
1: Why are you telling them this? I
0: just think it's so funny. This is why you are who you are because you're just like, you just have like a photographic memory. No,
1: I haven't really said much. I think you you mentioned something really important, actually, because um, not everybody who has bacteria growing in their urine has an infection. This is very important. And this is a clear distinction called asymptomatic bacteriuria. Mm -hmm. And we're always taught do not treat these patients. Um, There's only certain circumstances where you treat an asymptomatic bacteriuria, and that is, one, in pregnant patients, two, urological procedures, and patients getting urological procedures. Um, And three is patients with kidney transplants. Um, These patients, if you have bacteria growing in the urine, you wanna treat these patients, very important. Um, But an average person coming in without symptoms and you get a UA just for the shits and giggles, Mm -hmm. mainly for the giggles, um, and have a positive UA it's not recommended to treat them. The problem is that a lot of doctors do anyway. Right. And this is, a, this is a problem. And because it's not good antibiotic stewardship um, and it's unnecessary prescribing, unnecessary side effects that a patient could incur. Um, namely, I mean, this common antibiotic Bactrim that people use has a lot of side effects. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Bactrim can cause severe skin infections that in some cases are deadly. Mm -hmm. Very rare, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Um, You have macrobid, Mm -hmm. which is very common, can cause severe neurological encephalopathic disorders. Rare, but it's possible. Why put yourself at risk when you don't need to? When you don't need to. That's exactly
0: right. Yeah, the treatment should only be there if it's absolutely necessary for the patient. Definitely. Yeah, that the risks, you know, the positives outweigh the risks.
1: Definitely. And this is why fluoroquinolones, very common. UTI medication like ciprofloxacin, levofloxacin are less used than they used to be because although they work very well, mm-hmm. um, the side effect profile is just too much. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and that's, that's actually a good point too. And that's something that from a nursing standpoint... Uh, I didn't really know until you told me, especially about Cipro and Bactrim, because again, like, you know, maybe five years ago, that's what we would give uh, constantly. People were getting Cipro, Bactrim, Cipro, Bactrim, and it was almost seen as like, like no harm, like there was absolutely nothing wrong right. with it, and it was better to just over the patient, and now we're looking at the side effects, and like you're saying, the um, antibiotic stewardship of it, and um I just think it's better in general yeah. like we're really headed towards a good direction definitely. more evidence-based practice.
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely you don't want to give fluoroquinolones to older patients. At least try to avoid it as much as possible because they're more susceptible to um the side effects stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you know this is a still an important topic and you really get more comfortable with it the more that you deal with it. it's really important. I think the nursing part of it is really interesting too because um, it's not just what you prescribe. It's not just how you diagnose it. Um, the nursing intervention can make a big difference in how this patient's managed, um, and basically making sure the patient gets the best care that they can. Right?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that's a really good point. I mean that that's a good uh, that's a good time now to switch over and talk about the uh, nursing interventions for these patients so the, these patients while they are receiving um, the medical interventions and that in general their um, the outcomes are really good for these patients while they're receiving treatment, they're not feeling well still. Um, and, and so even though we're giving them antibiotics and we might be treating them with Tylenol or something, um, there are other problems that these patients are um, dealing with. And, and there's a lot of nursing interventions that we can do to help make them more comfortable until they do start to feel better. So so what are the problems with a patient that, um, from a nursing standpoint, you get with UTI? They have acute pain, discomfort, hyperthermia, They have disturbed sleeping pattern, dysuria. Um, A lot of times, especially if it's an older patient, you're going to get... Um, someone who obviously they have that sense of urgency. They have to get up and go to the bathroom. I have to get up and go to the bathroom. Well, if they're receiving IV antibiotics, now they're a fall risk. They're tethered to something that's plugged into the wall. And when they have to get up and go, they've got to go right that moment. And they don't want to urinate in the bed, urinate on the floor. So um, they'll they'll rush right out of bed. They'll rip their IV out. They'll fall on the floor. And now you have a whole list of other avoidable issues that with this patient who just had a well, maybe not a simple UTI, but a UTI that was being treated. Um, So so you have to do something about these symptoms or else they can can really hurt themselves and they can go through unnecessary suffering. Um, So there's different things you can do. First, um, the first thing that you're going to do is when you walk in the room, you want to assess the patient's pattern of urination. You want to ask the prior shift. Is this person a person who's getting up every 15 minutes and feels like they have to go but they're not actually draining their bladder or are they able to use the call light are they able to wait a minute if you're not able to get in the room right away because if that person is the kind of person that's not going to use their call bell and they're going to jump out of bed you need to move them closer to the nurse's station you need to put a bed alarm on you need to maybe get a one to one depending on their situation their mental status Um, so so that for their own safety. Um, you're also going to be assessing you know the color, smell, quantity of their urine. What does their urine actually look like? Is it getting better? Um, if you're encouraging fluids, does it go from amber to yellow? Is is the smell really strong still? Um, those are all things you need to look at because if it's getting worse, you need to call the doctor. Um, you want to palpate the bladder. Are they actually emptying the bladder each time? Or are they retaining? Um, then you might need to get a bladder scan. Their temperature, obviously, are they sweating? Are they clammy? Are they shivering? Do they have headache? Um, just general muscle weakness, muscle pain. Like, how, how are they feeling in general? Um, these are all things that you need to be a little proactive in. There's no reason for a patient to lay in bed um, shivering and sweating and in pain. Sometimes simple Tylenol. I've seen yeah, good, yeah, I've seen sure. good outcomes with simple Tylenol. You mm-hmm. know, but don't don't let your patient lay there. I know it, some we get so busy, and sometimes somebody with a UTI um, can sort of be on the lower list of your acuity of your patient list that you have. But um, look out for your patient, and if they're in pain, you know, um, be proactive in in asking the doctor for orders.
1: Are there any like uh, lifestyle modifications that you recommend for patients uh, with UTIs or at risk for UTIs at least?
0: Definitely. Um, Patient teaching, most of the patients have a knowledge deficit regarding their UTI. They're not really sure why they get them. Um, And I mean, I'll just speak from personal experience. I've been one of these people. I got chronic UTIs. I didn't know why. Um... They they might not understand the disease or the management of it. So you can educate the patient to wipe uh, front to back. You can instruct the patient not to use a uh, bathtub, hot tub. Um, the biggest one obviously is to finish their antibiotics, especially if they're outpatient. I think everybody here who's listening to this probably understands that we get a lot of people that they start to feel better, they stop taking their antibiotics. the The UTI comes back, and now we're in the same or worse boat than we were before. Um, if you, uh, encourage them to avoid sanitary pads, avoid, you know, tight, non, non non-cotton underwear, they say that I, I don't, do you, do you agree with that?
1: Uh, there's kind of mixed opinions about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I feel mixed about it as well. I'm not really sure if that's just an old style. I still mention it because Mm. it doesn't harm the patient, but I don't know if I personally believe that. Um, I don't know. Definitely
1: caffeine and alcohol, I think. Absolutely. Irritating agents.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That was going to be the next thing. Avoid caffeine, tea, alcohol. Um, some people, uh, you need to Instruct them to empty their bladder all the, all the way every time that they go. Some people are in a rush. Hello, nursing. They don't empty their bladder every single time. And then you also want to give the patient the signs and the symptoms of UTIs so that they have a, a barometer of when they need to call the doctor or not so mm-hmm. that it doesn't get all the way to their kidney before you realize they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Urine itself has antibacterial properties so when you're cleansing when you're urinating constantly when you're drinking a lot of fluids and you're cleaning your urinary tract mm-hmm. you're pretty much cleaning your urinary tract by by Constantly urinating. That's why you have increased urgency to urinate because your body's trying to get rid of the infection. Your body
0: is amazing.
1: body is amazing. Your
0: body is so yeah. smart. Yeah.
1: yeah. Your body is a wonderland. <laughs>
0: oh my God. I don't think we have the rights to that
1: song. <laughs> uh Well, how do we change it to make it all right?
0: Your, bo- your body
1: is a wonderland.
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: <laughs> fonderland is not what the song is. I don't
0: think so. So wait, hold on. Back up because I like what you just said. That actually leads into the next thing I was going to say. So obviously treatment, um, we're going to treat with antibiotics, but treatment for nursing means something different than just medication, right? So treatment from a nursing standpoint means include encourage fluids for these patients. You know, make sure. Do they have their water pitcher there? Is it in reach? Does it have ice in it? Um, All the things that would make it easy and possible for them to drink water uh, regularly and try try to get them to push all of that um, urine out. Um, initiate IV fluids, encourage them to void. So if, if they can't ambulate, they're going to sit there maybe and hold it. They don't want to pee on themselves. They don't want to bother you. Use the call light. Um, that's how a lot of these nice little ladies feel um, that you're busy. So go in there and offer every hour, every two hours, Hey, can I walk you to the bathroom? And actually that's a good tactic in general for everybody, just because you might be busy later. So if you have a second to just hurry up and go toilet your patient, just go do it because it'll make your life easier. Also, some of the, some of the other things that nursing, some of the other treatments you can use is uh, distraction. If they like to meditate, um, and you can also you want to push fluids, but then you also want to maybe pull back a couple hours right before bed so that they can actually sleep and heal.
1: So. Yeah. What about what about uh, catheter based urine finger?
0: Well, so that's like a whole nother thing for us. Yeah. So we have um, it's a little bit different. Like you're talking about complicated, uncomplicated. We have you know your run of the mill UTI, and then we also have what's called Caudi. And I, I don't know if you if you guys are taught on CAUTI, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's really drilled into our head by the American Nursing Association um, of how to prevent CAUTI. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know, CAUTI is catheter associated UTI. Um, and it's very common, it's a very common problem. And in the past, again, we're talking about um, mistakes that we made in the past in healthcare. One of the things that we used to do is just put a catheter in everybody um, because of the reasons like people getting up, trying to go to the bathroom and falling. Um, So they would just put a catheter in everybody. You could measure the urine simply. You could uh, prevent falls. But then they realized that they (laughs) started seeing like tons more UTIs and that this was a terrible idea. So CAUTI, it increases hospital stay, it increases the cost of care, it increases patient morbidity and mortality, um, and these are all preventative. So um, there's three areas that um, the American Nursing Association calls to improve CAUTI. Um, So number one is to prevent inappropriate short-term use catheters. So that's why the doctors get so annoyed, right? But we're also, we're always asking, can you renew the Foley order? Can you, because we get chewed out. If that if that catheter order is expired, we get in big trouble. So I think like some of these things like that come from our management that are because of like these policies from the American Nursing Association, I think it's important that like doctors know about them because maybe from your point of view, it might just seem like, we're just bothering you.
1: Yeah. Right? That's right? true. We it's don't annoying. see that perspective at all. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. annoying for you guys, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but we we have to look out and make sure and ask ourselves every shift. We're directed to ask the question to ourselves, is this catheter still necessary? And if it isn't, it's our requirement to DC it. So, um so the second thing that you can do to improve caudy is um, it's it's these are all nurse driven. Um, so it's nurse driven, timely removal also of the Foley. So exactly what I just said, you have to remove it um, and then also proper placement and catheter care. So everybody who places it needs to do it as sterile as possible. And then every shift we have to do cath care to try to prevent Caudi. Now there's these cool alternatives that we can use. Now there's the Purewick. Um, and there's also the con- condom calf, or you can ask your provider to do straight cathing instead.
1: So we got a few interesting discussion points, I think, that we kind of want to finish this episode off with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Abby so nicely found a few interesting ones that We've been boring right now with all these education points but we're going
0: to mix it up now. Now we're going to get into the fun part. This podcast, this episode, I was telling Dan he didn't think this was funny, but I think it's a little bit this episode is like a mullet. Like the the front of it is business and the party's in the back. So here. She loves that. I do like She loves that. It. I like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: my hair looks like a mullet right now.
0: It no it doesn't. No. I cut I cut his hair. She
1: cuts my hair.
0: Yeah, because of quarantine because we're still in Phase two, just newly in phase two newly in, in phase New York two. City right now.
1: My haircut is in phase flux. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did a good job though. She did. I never cut anyone's hair in my life and I did my very first haircut. I learned on YouTube. I ordered some scissors on Amazon and I cut Dan's hair.
1: Yeah, she did. It took like eight and a half hours. It
0: took hours.
1: I watched seven episodes of New Girl. <laughs> While you did it.
0: It was a lot. It it took a long time. I was so scared. Every yeah. little cut I was like trying so hard.
1: Yeah, but you took off like seven micro inches yes. in every cut. Yeah. It was like...
0: I was afraid to cut too much off and then you'd look crazy. Yeah. Right. I liked
1: it though.
0: It looks good. I actually. like
1: it. I've gotten compliments on it.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a little uneven. I I'm gonna even it out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so don't. We need a we're going to need if anybody wants to send us, we need like a name. This is going to be a segment that we're going to do once in a while. So we need a name for this segment. The idea is. There's all these holistic um, alternative medicine, and we are not anti holistic medicine. We're not anti alternative medicine, whatever makes you kind
1: of though we are.
0: Okay, wait. Because anything that makes you feel better and is not harming you, you 100% should do that thing. I think I think that's really important. My issue, personally, is when I see people selling things that are not necessarily helping. And it's it
1: could possibly cause harm.
0: Could cause harm.
1: Well, also the miseducation right. can cause harm too. Exactly. Someone believing something that is not true right. can also be harmful. Exactly. And touting it to everybody else and spreading the misinformation.
0: And saying that you don't need to see a doctor if you just use whatever I'm selling. Exactly. That's that's where I have a problem. I don't have a problem with people taking vitamin C and that stuff, but you also do need to follow up with your regular physician. Right. Right? That's right. Okay, so... We
1: don't represent any hospitals or any institutions, just to let you know that. If you missed our (laughs) intro part... (laughs) Ever ever
0: <laughs> Dan hates that <laughs> right
1: yeah, I don't hate it. I he think doesn't it's funny hate it. okay, it's
0: funny, so we will not be naming the name of this person. There is a doctor question mark is he a doctor?
1: He is not a doctor
0: he is in the medical field.
1: which one are you talking about?
0: the one okay, with the book yes,
1: okay uh who? People can call themselves doctors in few circumstances. If they have a doctorate I of think some he kind. might.
0: He might have a doctorate.
1: He might. But I would look, not use it in the context at, that look, he
0: uses it. Let me check it exactly. out. Exactly. He's not a medical doctor, certainly. He's not a medical doctor. Let me check it out. Let me tell you. Dan and I were at a bookstore once and we randomly came upon this person's book. And we were confused because it was touting basically these miracle cures And also steering people away, not only saying that their recommendations were better, also saying that physician recommendations were harmful. And that's where we took a major issue. And we ever since then have despise this person, which we're not going to, I'm going to put up, um, a blog where we can give all the references because we're using articles and uh, journals to do these podcasts. And I want you guys to be able to see the references that we use and we will put up the references for him, but I'm not going to name his name because I don't want to promote him either. Um, so it will be on the website at some point, but the point is that this guy is like a snake oil salesman. Yeah. Give us his background just a little bit tip for context.
1: So this person who calls himself a doctor calls himself a quote-unquote wellness physician. Mm-hmm. He's a popular radio show host and sought after national speaker committed to setting people free from their health problems so that they can live their lives to their fullest potential. Um, and he's in a mission to change the health around the world and lead the new health revolution. This is someone who calls himself a doctor, um, and he touts this information every day.
0: What is his uh, actual education?
1: He went to the University of Kentucky Palmer College of Chiropractics. Chiropractic <laughs> Medicine.
0: You can't even...
1: <laughs> I can't even say it. I can't even say it. He has
0: a doctorate in... He's a chiropractor. Does that is that a doctor?
1: Uh, it is. If you get a doctorate in chiropractor
0: okay. medicine, mm-hmm.
1: what is chiropractic medicine? That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, the definition is quite broad and disputed, but chiropractic is a pseudoscientific, complementary, and alternative medicine that is concerned with the diagnosis and treatment of mechanical disorders of the musculoskeletal system, especially the spine. So, you have a pseudoscientific doctor who specializes in the spine and he wants to promote wellness and health around the world
0: and he also is not these recommendations that i read are not about the spine or chiropractic medicine at all he's he's touching on cancer i saw he, he oh, has of course reco- he's talking
1: every facet of medicine yeah infection control general health, uh, health and well-being mm-hmm. cardiac anything he, he has the remedy for it wow yeah
0: okay So I want to talk about, I went to his website. He has a lot of um, information that he wants to say. Um, It's important to say that he made it a point on his website to say that antibiotics were dangerous Taking them can lead to harm or death and that he promotes and recommends using his remedies instead of therapy recommended by a doctor. Also, at the end of each of these, it says that he is not liable for these treatments, which I thought was funny.
1: Yeah, he's like, take no credit for any of it, but he can say whatever he wants. Yes, pretty much.
0: basically he can put it out there and it's on you if you get sicker. <laughs>
1: Exactly.
0: And that's why, I guess, again, I'm not against holistic medicine, but these people who he's profiting off of, uh, him, I don't, I have a big problem with this. Also,
1: he's exploiting people who may or may not know.
0: They might not even have health insurance and are saying, looking for an alternative, an inexpensive alternative, and instead of seeing a doctor... Then they seek out him and he's giving these alternatives who are actually harming him. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So let's talk, doctor. I want to run these by the real doctor. I'm going to talk about this person, this chiropractor, wellness man. I want to talk about his recommendations. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So, number one, and this is a big one. I think we've all heard this one cranberry juice or cranberry pills. And he says, that it inhibits growth of bacteria such as E. coli. Okay, what do you think about that?
1: So this is a very common one that we Mm -hmm. hear. Cranberry juice, just drink drink cranberry juice and that will cure your UTI. Um, Is this false? Not necessarily, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, I wouldn't recommend um, using this as a replacement for antibiotics or as a sole treatment for anything, Mm -hmm. but there are some, ev- There is some evidence behind uh, cranberry juice for supporting the treatment for mm-hmm. urinary tract infections. The health
0: of the urinary tract that's right. That's right. And I've it's heard. not
1: necessarily just cranberry juice. It's something that's in cranberries mm-hmm. that could have antibacterial properties um, for UTIs.
0: And I think also one of the things that I've always heard too is cranberry juice that you're going to get at the store. Ocean spray is not even... Going to be the correct thing that would promote UTI health, urinary tract health.
1: Exactly. Um. And no, and when I say that, it could possibly. I mean, there were small studies here and there that showed something, mm-hmm. but there's way more studies that are against it, actually. So okay. you can find information on anything to support something you believe in.
0: Sure. And if it's not harming you and you're still seeing a doctor, I mean, again, more power to If you want to take cranberry capsules and the doctor says it's okay, and uh, you're also following a proper medical treatment, that's a little bit different, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. Here's a, a study um, that I have right here. It's a study that took 185 female nursing home residents and compared cranberry capsules given to patients daily in a double-blinded blind, double randomized study, placebo-controlled efficacy trial. They had two cups of 36 milligram active ingredient, which is in cranberries, um, which equals about 20 ounces of cranberry juice. Quote, there was no significant difference in the presence of bacteria, bacteria urea, which is bacteria in the urine and pyuria, which is white blood cell count in the urine over one year. Um, this is in the journal of American medical association, also known as JAMA. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we'll put all these links up.
1: According to doctor, I'm not going to name the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, which are the editors of Harvard Women's Health, quote, they increase the acidity of the urine, which presumably makes it more difficult for harmful bacteria like E. coli to get um, a hold of the urinary tract. Um, this effect, however, has not been demonstrated in humans and is very unlikely it will prevent UTIs. So as a preventative tool, uh, some studies show that it's not efficacious to prevent UTIs but in some de novo studies have shown some antibacterial properties that's what we're seeing pretty much yeah can you take back uh, cranberry juice and will will it be a problem probably not you'll be okay Mm -hmm. but will it definitely get rid of your infection no it will not
0: right okay okay uh the next one these get more fun as we go uh okay the next one is garlic Okay. I like this one. I I like garlic because actually there are a lot of studies that show garlic does have some interesting things um that it does within your body. Um it's antimicrobial, first and foremost, right? Um but this person is saying that if you eat garlic, you it will cure your UTI.
1: Oh my god.
0: Okay. What do you think about this, Doctor?
1: Like I said before, I'm sure there's a lot of natural remedies that could be used as an adjunct or in conjunction with your formal treatment that you're getting, but nothing can replace um, formally um, you know, prescribed medication from a healthcare physician, healthcare practitioner, someone who's formally trained in what disease you have. Um, but if something's causing you harm, definitely avoid it. Um, let's look at some of the effects of garlic. I mean, there have been some Interesting. Uh, interesting yeah. stuff. We understand that garlic has some myriad of myriad of effects of your, in your cardiovascular um, health.
0: That's where I always act, and that's where I heard it. I yeah. heard it w- related to cardiac studies. Never with Same. UTI.
1: Absolutely. It's shown some anti-cholesterol uh, cholesterol lowering effects and um, decreasing blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, There have been some studies. There are many in vitro and in vivo studies suggesting possible cancer prevention effects of garlic preparations um, because they have potent bioactive compounds with anti-cancer properties, um, which are largely like allyl sulfide derivatives, but we can get into that more.
0: I think I think the the main point for garlic is it's interesting. We'll Very see. Very interesting, we'll and see, it tastes good. It, it just eat it anyway, yeah. regardless. Yeah. It's just like really good. Yeah. Yeah. Put it on everything. I mean, not
1: everything. That'd be you might maybe disturb other people.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna disturb
1: you. <laughs> I feel disturbed. <laughs>
0: No, I, I think I'll be excited to see the research that comes out in the next 10 years about garlic. That's kind of interesting to me.
1: Yeah, and if, if people will start to incorporate it into their practice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so the next one. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna combine uh these. So and and then my favorite one is is coming is the next one. Okay, so He recommends probiotics, which uh, support the body's normal flora and quote defends the body. Um, And he also recommends eating fermented food because this restores the body's natural flora and recolonizes the bladder with helpful bacteria. So he recommends eating yogurt, raw cheese, sauerkraut. Sauerkraut's a weird one, um, and kombucha. Okay, so I think the idea is if you eat healthier food and you get healthier gut bacteria, then the E. coli or whatever bacteria that you're spreading possibly to your urinary tract would be cleaner. This is, this is, I think the idea.
1: I think the premise of what is being said is that promoting more healthy bacteria and not allowing unhealthy bacteria to grow, Mm -hmm. which can potentially cause infections. Mm -hmm. Um, This has not been shown to help in patients with urinary tract infections. Um, There are some studies that they can be helpful in the GI tract. Definitely. Um, I
0: mean, we use that all the time.
1: All the time. We see probiotics. You hear probiotics all the time. Yeah. I'm sure you're on Instagram or something (laughs) and you see it pop up to drink this, eat that. And, I sound like an old grandpa, but
0: and in in our some of our patients, they are helpful, especially people who are on chronic antibiotic therapies. I mean, the, these the, it is it, it's not completely junk, right?
1: No, I mean there has been it is used by medical professionals in some circumstances. Sure. I mean GI infections. What's the premise that it can help in UTIs? Well, like I said earlier, um, coliform bacteria, which can come from the GI tract, actually. Um, There's proximity between the anus and the urinary tract infection, and a lot of times infections can spread to the urethra from the anus. And if you promote healthy bacterial growth in the GI tract, this could prevent... uh, unhealthy infection spreading to the urinary tract you know there are some studies that have shown that it could benefit but it's not common practice there's not enough evidence to incorporate it into practice also the amount of probiotic that you would have to consume is so abundant it's it's such a lifestyle shift it's more the treatment is worse than the disease so you're basically stuffing probiotics into your body to prevent a urinary tract infection which may or may not help you.
0: Um, Actually, that's interesting that you said that because that was the same thing with the cranberry study. Um, The study that they did at that nursing home when I was reading, it actually had difficulty finding compliance with the patients because people don't want to take a giant cranberry pill twice a day for a year. Right. So it's difficult just to practice that. That's right. Um, Listen, We're
1: not saying to tr- don't try natural sure. remedies. We're saying all we're saying is be a critical thinker, right? Second, uh, uh second, uh, guess things, question things. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Read about things. See well, if it's right for you. And
0: who's telling me that this is a treatment, is it someone who's trying to sell a book?
1: Exactly. That's why we mentioned this author that we're not going to name is like, where are your sources? If you're reading something on the internet, who is this person or this group that is giving you this information? Is right. it a reliable source right. backed by evidence-based mm-hmm. medicine or I, research? I
0: saw, I saw no research. Absolutely. No.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Here's my favorite one. I, I really want to, I want to talk about this one. Okay. So he says, essential oils. Treatment for UTI, okay? Let me... Hold on. Let me dive into this one because it's really fun. So, he says clove oil, oregano oil, myrrh oil um, are antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, antiparasitic, anti-inflammatory, and they relieve pain. So, it's just like a perfect cure for UTI. It does everything for you. It does too. everything. Now, he, he does have very specific things, some things you can take internally, some things, some oils you put externally um, because some of them are actually harmful. Some of them he even says are harmful if you ingest them, um, so, but he's still recommending some of them you drink, some of them you apply to like a cold compress and apply to the area. Um, I, I mean, you want to, where do you want to start with this one?
1: Well, um, essential oils, even if things have shown that, studies have shown that um, they do have antibacterial properties, these are all studies done de novo. They have not been done in human subjects, haven't shown any effects inside the human body. Um, you can. There's so many things that can kill bacteria outside the human Absolutely. body. Or do you want to ingest it? Right. Absolutely not. Right. Some people in suits on television might say otherwise. We're not going to name those people's names either.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about that in a different yeah, I don't, That'll be a different, wh- whatever this segment's called, <laughs> we're, we got to name this segment. That'll be a different.
1: That'll be a different thing, yeah. but I'm not putting bleach in my body. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. Okay. So the takeaway for this is that delaying treatment, delaying care, using alternatives in this way and thinking that you can. Um, treat a patient with essential oils for a UTI instead of them following up with their doctor delays care, and that can lead to sepsis and death. That's the main point. That's right. So um, again, we're not against holistic medicine. We're not against any of that, but we are against people who profit off of sick people and maybe possibly desperate people.
1: Yeah and
0: it's just it's terrible it's terrible we're gonna put them on blast a little bit and also not we're gonna try to blast them and not promote them at the same time
1: exactly there's nothing wrong with you know promoting products and getting um people to support certain treatments for things but if it's exploiting others taking advantage of Mm -hmm. you know desperate people or or um vulnerable people vulnerable
0: population very
1: unethical
0: very unethical and i can't believe that it's allowed honestly i can't believe that it's legal. it makes me upset yeah Yeah. it
1: should be legal Illegal.
0: yeah i mean i i don't know if you have had patients um that have had you know i i've had patients come in for cancer uh, skin cancer is a really good example i've had patients come in who uh tried different things for years before they actually came to the hospital because they didn't have insurance and now their cancer is much worse i mean You know, that's, again, another topic. It's just, It's just terrible. It makes me very sad. It's terrible.
1: Also, I'm a doctor, but I'm a doctor of medicine, and I'm not going to promote myself as a doctor of psychology. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to promote myself as a doctor of geology. Right. And that should, I think, be more regulated. Yes. I can't, if I'm a cardiologist or I'm an internal specialist, internal medicine specialist, it should be regulated whether I'm promoting myself as a geologist. Yes. I shouldn't be allowed to do that because legally I'm a doctor of something else so if someone is a doctor of chiropractic chiropractic medicine Mm -hmm. they shouldn't just be allowed to promote themselves in the realm of medicine that's not in their specialty Exactly, that should be regulated and i think it's a little you know under regulated
0: especially because people trust you you're a doctor of medicine that that comes with a lot of responsibility yeah that's right and um it's not to be taken lightly or for granted by someone who didn't earn it that's right yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. We got really serious and We at the got end. really intense. And we there. got yeah. really intense yeah. and mad. No, we didn't get We're mad. Really but mad. Um, anyway, this is uh, this has been RNMD.
1: This has been a fun podcast. I want to have more of these.
0: I like doing. These this. are fun. It's really fun. To, I mean, all we do is talk. Alls we do. I do this thing that's a Midwest thing. I say alls.
1: I always laugh at. And that.
0: he laughs every time. All you
1: gotta do is this. And I'm just like, you mean all? There's no <laughs> z in all we put
0: S's on the end of everything though. Sure. I'm gonna go to Walmart's.
1: Do you do that? Yeah. I don't even know that. Yeah.
0: Myers, people this is that's I a love mid- Myers. I do too. Love it. Dan uh lived in the Midwest at one point yeah, in his life. Four
1: wonderful years.
0: Yeah. And um, so he does know some of the Midwest stuff. I, maybe that's I why we get along.
1: This episode is brought to you by Meyer Super, <laughs> <laughs> Supermarket and Grocery Chain.
0: Meyer's is amazing, though. They really. don't even need
1: to pay us to promote
0: it. I, we'll just promote it because we yeah. love it.
1: Go to Meijer. M E I J E R.
0: That was a that was an ad when I was a kid. It was like M. E, it was kids really? on the radio, I, I remember. And they were spelling it, I think, because people didn't understand why it was spelled so weird.
1: Yeah, it is spelled It's it spelled really yeah, weird. I think yeah. it's Scandinavian. Is it? Yeah, I think so.
0: Oh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, anyway, we anyway. just promoted them like crazy. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. If you have any comments or topics you want to submit, please send it to us. We're rnmdpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's going to do it for us today. That's going to do
1: it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening in. And I hope you had a good time and learned something interesting.
0: Yeah. And if you have any uh, comments uh, that we can make this better, this is for you guys. So please send it to us. We want to make this as uh, fun and educational as possible.
1: Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. bye. 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 Bye.